Hello and welcome to this I Read Comic Books mini-sode. I am your host, Brian Murray. Joining me today is the wonderful, the talented, Rene Rodriguez. What's up? And we had a little bit of a technical glitch this weekend during our recording, so unfortunately we don't have the full episode to present to you, but we are going to be talking a little bit today about, now that you've seen the films or TV properties, what books you should read. So it's going to be kind of a, if you like this, read this recommendation episode. Which is always fun, I think. You know, get new ideas out there into the world. Not really new ideas, suggestions really. I can definitely relate to that feeling of, I really enjoyed this, where can I find more of it? But that might not necessarily mean, you know, if you liked Iron Man, go out and read every Iron Man comic book. Because who has the time, who has the willpower? Yeah, and you know, not every Iron Man story is a winner. Most of the time, they suck. (laughs) And even the ones that are good are not always like the Iron Man movie. Yeah. So. I think one of my favorite favorite things, though, is that Iron Man is so likable in the movie series because of Robert Downey Jr. And then Tony Stark in, like, comics is a gigantic douchebag. He is a bit, yeah. And uh, like he, they've, they've leaned more in the Downey direction since that movie came out uh, a little over 10 years ago now. Oh, have they time really? Time does fly. Well, at least at least as far as like art style is concerned, I know the Iron Man comics that I've read have always been a little more of Tony Stark as the wisecracker sort of guy. Oh, I've always just seen him as like the calculating kind of like he's, you know, he's like you know he's the smartest guy in the room, even with like you know the other smartest people in the Marvel universe. Like he's still an enormous cock. Yeah, I mean, there's some of that. There's always going to be some of that. Yeah. One of my favorite things was in uh, the Spider-Man miniseries, the 616 Spider-Man travels to the Ultimate Universe, and he meets Tony Stark, and Tony Stark's like, he's like, oh, Peter brings up, he's like, you know, my Tony Stark quit drinking, and he's like, well, that was dumb of him. And he's just got a scotch in his hand. Whenever I hear Iron Man, I always think of that. Speaking of, uh, you know, crippling alcoholism one of my favorite uh sorry that's a hell of a transition to go off of one of my favorite uh tv properties to come out of the netflix marvel joint opportunity is jessica jones and i think that people who enjoy the jessica jones tv show might enjoy alias the comic so jessica jones colon alias i didn't very much at all uh, that was mostly an artistic difference on my part but i do think that people who enjoy that show would probably get a kick out of uh mariko tamaki's hulk or she hulk run uh, i know i've brought that up more than once on the show it's a very good depiction of somebody dealing with trauma and not always in the best most healthy ways just in very human ways uh, which i think was a big theme going through Jessica Jones and I think that this Hulk run does a really good job of showing that as well I was I was really wondering wondering where you were going with alcoholism and then you were like Jessica Jones I was like oh that that makes so much sense you just gotta trust me man you know I'm gonna get there I know I was just like I was just like crippling alcoholism where do you go from there But it made sense, and then you tied it even into She-Hulk, so, you know, like, that's 
you know, I'm impressed. I'm impressed, Brian. I should never have doubted you. Well, Renee, I'm an impressive kind of guy. Yeah. And so humble, too. Oh, you know, the humblest. And uh, But jumping along with your Netflix show, Jessica Jones, if you watched Iron Fist and thought, you know, I thought he'd be cooler than this, uh, well, you're right. He is cooler than that. Um, <laughs> he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be. And he's supposed to be, you know, this. there's all kinds of problems with the Iron Fist show, which, you know, just basically goes down to Marvel not caring about that show and just caring about money. But... If you're like, hey, I still feel like I kind of want to know more about Iron Fist, one, you should hit up Xander on Twitter, because he's all about the Iron Fist. And two, you should read uh, Iron Fist, The Living Weapon uh, by Care Andrews. Uh, I don't know how to spell it. It's like, I, I don't know how to say his name. It's either Care or Car, Care. I don't know. But it's from 2014. It's relatively, oh gosh, that was like four years ago. Ugh. It's still a really good series. I have read it. Xander has read it. Highly recommend. And it's a pretty awesome story. And if you don't know a lot about Iron Fist, it's even though it's still relatively new, it's a good way of it's a good starting point to get to know more about that character. And going from there, I'd also recommend uh, the Power Man and Iron Fist series that came out uh, probably two years back now. Um, it was shortly before Civil War Two, so whenever that was. Did that? take place like at this like right before civil war two or it just came out in the same year as civil war two uh it it took place at the same time in the marvel chronology i know there was there was a point in time in which uh luke cage was tossed in prison and there is this whole thing with captain marvel breaking in and I don't remember it very well, so I'm not going to try and give a full recap. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I do remember being very entertained by that series. Uh, they made Iron Fist very energetic, and it's a sort of Iron Fist trying to get the band back together. You know, he wants to convince Luke to get back into fighting crime instead of just hanging out and being a dad for him and Jessica Jones's kid. That sounds awesome. That sounds exactly like Danny Rand. Like, Danny Rand is probably closer to, like, Spider-Man than Daredevil in attitude, you know? And mm-hmm. I felt like in the TV show, he just seems lost. Yeah, they were absolutely trying to capitalize on Daredevil's success by making, you know, this is just Kung Fu Daredevil now. With, you know, poorly choreographed Kung Fu, because, again... They just didn't care, and everything was rushed, which, honestly, I'm hoping that season two is better, but from the trailer I saw, it looks like it's not. Well, hope springs eternal. (sighs) At least Daredevil's still good. Daredevil season two is still good. I assume three will be good. I mean, I'm actually, like, I'm not on the Daredevil bandwagon. No? No, no. I watched the first season, and I was okay, like, up until... Like, they got near the end, and I was like, they ruined Kingpin. Like, I just, I thought that he was, I I just didn't like the way that they wrote him. And he's like, I also didn't understand how he got into power, and also how, or why these people follow him. Like, it didn't really make any sense why they would, because he's like, you know, like, he has a plan. We trust in him. They're like, the plan has failed. And he's like, 
I don't, I'm unsure about myself, but I'm also in love with this woman. And I was like, what? Where is the power hungry guy from the streets that just wants to rule everything? Yeah, I, I, I understand the impulse to try and make your villain sympathetic in some way, but I did enjoy the Kingpin more as just this gigantic gangster, essentially. He was like a mob boss and... He was an undisputedly shitty man. Yeah, like in, uh, and this is the thing. I enjoy the Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck more than I do the TV series. Xander, you're going to cut that out, right? (laughs) I've actually talked to him about that before. And it's, if you watch the director's cut, it's a lot better. And, uh, not a lot better, but it's better. And I don't actually, I I think it's mainly because of Michael Clark Duncan's Kingpin. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. That was perfect casting, and like even at the end when Dar- when you know Ben Affleck's bleeding all over the place, he's like, "Why did you kill the only two people I ever loved?" And he's like, "Business. It's all that ever is is business." I was like, "Das Kingpin, Das Kingpin, man." You've read some uh, you've read some Daredevil comics, right? What would you recommend people go for? Oh, I would definitely go with uh, Frank Miller's "The Man Without Fear." As a fantastic run. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis's run of Daredevil. I don't remember the numbers, but there is a trade for it. And also Mark Wade's um, run, I think from 2014, was uh, right after Shadowland. Now th- it is a little bit confusing because there's a lot of like stuff that happened right before then in Shadowland and all that. But honestly, you can just gloss over that. They mention it in the comic in the Mark Wade one, but. Um, you know, it's nothing that you really need to know a lot about to get into that, uh, arc and it's really fun. And it also has a throwback kind of art style to like the sixties. And I really like, I did really like that run by Mark Wade. So I would, I would just definitely recommend that the that arc by the one by Mark Wade, the one by Brian Michael Bendis, which is, um, considered one of the best runs of Daredevil. And also The Man Without Fear by Frank Miller and art by John Romita Jr. Now, have they upgraded his costume or is it still kind of like the dumb spandex with the, the overlapping D's on the front? Um, I think that they... Here, well, here's the thing. He's changed costumes a lot. So I think in The Man Without Fear, they show a, a couple of different costume changes. Uh, but I think right now, currently, he's still in the red spandex. But there was a while in the 90s that he had this kind of armored suit or whatever, and it was black and gray. It was super dope. Um, and then That he, sounds like the 90s. Covered in pouches, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in Shadowland, in the Shadowland arc, he was wearing like a, like a dark version of his suit or whatever because he was the leader of the hand in that. Dun, dun, dun. His costumes change, but they keep going back to Old Faithful because that's just what people recognize. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that changes now that most people are going to recognize the Netflix suit. Yeah, but I mean, they, they did that with Spider-Man too. Like, Spider-Man changes his costumes, you know, all the time, but he always goes back to Old Faithful. And every single time he puts on the old suit, he's like, ah, this is the best feeling, blah, 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 blah. He's like, it feels like home, yada, yada, yada. It's like, we get it. You want him in the regular suit so people can tell who it is. We get it. You like how the spandex makes your butt look. That's well, I mean, he's never, like, not wearing spandex. I mean, it's always been spandex. It's true, and I guess he kind of pointedly would not know how the spandex would make his butt look. So, 
I mean, he does like he's made a couple jokes that the about like people checking him out or whatever. So I think he is aware. I mean, he does have mirrors. He knows he's hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know his uh, spider enhanced features. Renee, what else have you watched <laughs> that you have a recommendation to go off of? Okay, so well, here's the huge thing with the Teen Titans Go. The new Teen Titans Go movie has come out, and there's probably going to be a resurgence of uh, the old Teen Titans series, the TV show. The I've cartoon. heard that. Yeah, on DC's new streaming service, whenever that comes out. Yeah, and then there's also going to be the live-action series Titans. Now, if you watched any of the old Teen Titans or watched Teen Titans Go, and you're probably going to watch Titans, I would highly suggest reading uh, Jeff John's Teen Titans run from 2003 to 2007, because it's absolutely fantastic. It's got all the teenage angst and drama you want with action in it, and it's got some of the best storytelling. And it also ties in directly to the bigger events that DC had, um, like uh, Infinite Crisis and Final Crisis. And um, I, that's a good starting point to try to you know jump into those big things to like you know read some part of this story and then be like, oh. I do understand what's going on if I get into that bigger book, so it does. It is helpful that way, but it's a fantastic series on its own. Uh, it's one of my favorites of all time. I actually own, I think, almost that entire run in trades. Super awesome. I would def. I would highly recommend it. Um, Brian, have I forced you to read that before? I don't think so. I don't remember it. Is that something that people would understand without having read those bigger event books? Yes, because it's very self-contained. So the first the first issue does start off where it's in the aftermath of a certain event, but you can actually buy the graphic novel that has that certain event. It's, I believe it's a crossover with Young Justice and The Outsiders. But um, it is leads up to the death of Donna Troy, uh, who was a red a regular member? Who was original member of the Teen Titans, and uh, Young Justice is um, another sort of teen hero group that was too young and they weren't accepted into the Teen Titans. And um, the Outsiders are Dick Grayson's team after the Teen Titans, so they weren't a team right now, and they were sort of colliding. And then what happened was they started to fight a robot that ends up killing one of the original members of the Teen Titans, Donna Troy. And then both teams sort of break up and feel guilty about that. And then the series starts with Cyborg, Starfire, being like, you know what, we need to bring back the Teen Titans because, you know, we're a family and it shows the responsibility of, you know, the position you're in. And, you know, it was just great for, for you know, teenagers to have someone their age to understand them who also fights crime. And so that's where it starts... And so you need a like a lit like I would say that it's a couple things that you don't necessarily need to know because it does bring it all it's very self contained in the book and it tells you everything you need to know. But I would definitely look into that um I would look into Young Justice and the Outsiders if you wanted more background, but I don't think you necessarily need it. I know I but any, anybody with a passing familiarity with the DC universe is going to be yeah fine. And if you watch the Teen Titans show, you'll be you'll know a lot more than you think you do because like Slade is a regular thing. Cyborgs in there, Starfires in there, Beast Boy, Raven, 
And um, a new Robin is in there, Tim Drake. Uh, but, I mean, Dick Grayson does show up on occasion as well. So, and if you watched uh, Young Justice, you will also see some characters in there as well. But they, since this book came out before Young Justice, it's in a very different capacity. Yeah, going off the topic of teen, teams of youngsters, I don't know about you or I, I'm a big fan of Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I actually just found out today there is a Stranger Things comic that's going to be coming out in the not-too-distant future. Or he's maybe already coming out. I'm, I've am i done no research. I saw a, a cover on a website. That's what I've got. <laughs> but for fans of Stranger Things, I'd like to push very hard for Paper Girls. You know, it's got that... It's got that same 80s aesthetic. It's got that same, you know, sort of ragtag team of kids. Uh, it's got the same vaguely cosmic horror to it. So it is It is also just very good if you're not a fan of Stranger Things. But I mean, it's, it's safe to, to say that a lot of people are into Stranger Things. So. Yeah, and I think the thing that really connects it for me is the weird space ship meat machine that they find in the basement of uh one of the houses early early in paper girls we're talking first handful of issues they find that it just reminded me so much of the upside down from stranger things because everything is kind of like kind of veiny and disgusting looking on the surface it's it's the kind of thing that seemed like it would have been perfectly at home in hawkins indiana as presented by stranger things yeah. Where are they in Paper Girls? I don't even remember. Uh, it's somewhere in the Midwest. I want to say it's in Ohio. That makes sense. Everything takes place in the Midwest in the 80s with weird, like, creepy stuff. Well, I'm from the Midwest. It's weird and creepy. So. <laughs> it must be all the trees, right? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the fact that it gets, it's dark so much of the year. We get a little stir-crazy. Yeah, and like basically none of the roads are lit at night like seriously like none of them i can't believe how ridiculously dark it is yeah driving at night in rural michigan you're really kind of putting your fate in god's hands there no wonder no wonder horror stories always take place in the midwest good lord do you remember that do you remember that michigan chillers series from like uh from like 2004 oh yeah yeah, all of those are based off of real, like, mysteries and myths in Michigan. That's messed up. Yeah, on man. the subject of horror books, or horror in general, I think I'm a big fan of pretty much any uh, any alien comic book that I've read, I've enjoyed. That includes uh, Aliens Dust to Dust has been pretty good so far. Um, the first issue didn't really sell me, but I kind of got into it after getting my hands on number two now now when you say when you say aliens do you mean just like that there are aliens in them or it's specifically tied to the aliens franchise specifically the aliens franchise oh okay i just i just want i just want to make sure you know one of my favorite things about the alien franchise of comic books is all the crossovers that they do with stuff you would not expect like uh i have uh vampirella versus aliens that was uh, that was an interesting crossover. It's just kind of a future where vampires are just like known to exist. I have no words. I have no words to describe how I feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I if I didn't have it digitally, I would loan it to you. But I have it. I have it through Comicsology. So. <laughs> 
can't can't really can't really do that. But. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know that there's a lot of those alien crossover books because I know they did it, the same thing with Predator. Because I used to have a Predator vs. Batman comic. I have I have Aliens versus Batman on my wish list. I haven't gotten it yet, but <laughs> man, I would I'm I'm now I'm gonna try and find a physical copy of that to give you for Christmas or something. I'm trying to force physical comics back into your life, Brian. Yeah, I mean if if every physical copy of Vampirella didn't make me look like a pervert, then I'd be all in favor of that. <laughs> but like. I don't know. That's that's not the topic. We're not going to dig in on that. That's a whole different thing. I mean, I'd have to throw away so many books if, like, <laughs> I was worried about that. You know, just because it's like, why are all the women drawn so, you know, not anatomically correct? Dude, Did you I don't mean know. every manga? <laughs> no, but I mean, probably but that most too. Of them. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably have to throw out, you know, the manga as well. Although... Well, I don't know about everyone. Banana fish might be safe. I just got that one. Now, see, that just sounds dirty. We're not. We're not doing that. We're not doing this. Banana fish is not dirty. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We time. That's a different topic. Okay, it's not dirty, but I mean, it's actually really good. It's actually just got re-released in the U.S. But you're right. We don't have time. We don't have time. I'll talk about we, we, it. We we can veer back on a topic and still talk about manga. Uh, you watched the Death Note movie, right? Okay, so here's the thing. I got like 28 minutes into the movie before I shut it off. That's that's astounding because I know that you've sat through some crappy movies. I I've know. sat through them with you. Yeah, <laughs> I've watched Mean Girls. How Lord Lord knows how many. Times. All, all right, this this <laughs> podcast is over. <laughs> I did you that. Go home into my house and disrespect Mean Girls. We don't have time for this. I did that specifically because I know how much you like that movie. Because I've been over to your house and it's like, we're watching Mean Girls again? Yeah, it's a good movie. For fans of Mean Girls, I recommend Giant Days. <laughs> oh, that would explain why I don't like Giant Days. Brian's super mad at me now. I can feel it through the computer. It's true. You should see the face I'm making. It is horrific. <laughs> it's not that I don't like it. It's just that, like, because like, I read, like, the first volume and I was just like, eh. I mean, I get it. It's just not for me. So it's not that I disliked it. It's just that I was like, I don't care to continue reading, I guess. It's just one of those things that's not my thing. It's definitely other people's thing, but it's not mine. So what's, a, uh, what's the thing you did like that you can make a recommendation off well, of then? <laughs> well, I guess we could jump back into the, the Netflix Death Note, because that movie was atrocious. And not like the manga at all. So if you somehow watched the Death Note movie and even watched it all the way through or and you're still like, you know, I do want more of this. I don't know how that could be possible, but, you know, if you are just read the manga, it's so much better. Honestly, even if you didn't watch the Death Note, don't watch the Death Note Netflix movie. Okay, it's garbage. It's trash. It's terrible. They're making a second one, too, which I don't know how, because they got really bad reviews. The only thing worth anything in that movie is um, Ryuk, played by... It's uh, Willem Dafoe, right? Yes, thank you. Willem Dafoe nails it as Ryuk, but they ruined Ryuk's character, so it's, like, bad. Honestly, just read the manga or watch the anime. It's so much better. It's so insanely better. Like, even my, my, one of my best friends who hates anime, he can't get into it at all, he, like, he watched Death Note 
in like two weeks because he thought it was so good. Ugh. Did you watch the Death Note movie, Brian? No, I didn't. And I'm trying to think of a way to segue back into our, our topic, but I'm drawing a blank here. Speaking of terrible movies, if you watch the Green Lantern movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, This topic is supposed to be, if you liked this, you should try this. <laughs> and we've just been talking about these movies are bad. Read this instead, which I guess is kind of on topic. I mean, but. yeah. I mean, the Green Lantern movie. I wanted it to be so. I wanted it to be good, and it was not. And I was very sad. But I would definitely. And Green Lantern's a really hard like series to just jump into because it's got so many weird things in it, and the timeline is all messed up. But honestly, honestly, don't jump into Green Lantern if you have to know everything about something. I will say that I read uh, I read Darkest Night and uh, Brightest Day was the follow-up to that, right? Blackest Night, but yeah. Blackest Night and Brightest Day. Day. I read both of those with zero context in the DC Universe, and I was able to follow those pretty well. If you liked that Green Lantern movie, or if just the idea of a Green Lantern appeals to you, Except that you will be confused for the first couple of issues worth of comics. And then it all just kind of references stuff that happened in that run. So if you're reading the trade, just make sure you read the little blurb at the beginning to kind of set the scene for you and you'll be fine. So I know, uh, I know you read a lot of Hellboy, right, Renee? Um, Cause I, I was a big fan of those movies, but I've never actually gotten into the books. The, I've read a decent amount of Hellboy. I've definitely read probably I've read a couple volumes of it. Um, I actually borrowed them from our good friend Mark, um, who is obsessed with. Oh Hellboy. yeah, yeah. Mark was a huge fan. Yeah. So Hellboy is definitely really, really interesting, and it even has a couple spinoff series like Abe Sapien and BPRD, and I don't know if. Um, Lobster Johnson has his own series. But yeah, there's if you enjoyed Hellboy, Hellboy Seed of Destruction by Mike Mignola is the best way to start off, especially since Seed of Destruction was the basis for the first Hellboy movie. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so there is it's really easy to follow. A lot of similarities are there. And uh, that's definitely the best place to start for Hellboy. And honestly, I love Mike Mignola's art. It's kind of like goofy and clunky but it really works with the series especially since it dives super deep into the occult yeah and it's, it's one of those things where hellboy without mignola's art would look bizarre he's, he's the only person i can really imagine drawing hellboy and having it actually look like hellboy yeah because like even like other artist renditions of hellboy they look not right and like it's just Mignola's art style is the only one that seems to fit. But I am excited for that new Hellboy movie that's coming out. It's going to be sick. Oh, I saw that with the, the cop from Stranger Things. Yeah. Playing Hellboy, right? Yes, sir. And Daniel Day Kim is going to be in it, I believe, um, as like a, a werewolf or something like that. So that's exciting. I like Daniel Day Kim. He was, yeah, for sure. He was that guy in Lost, and he was on the Hawaii Five O. For any Five O fans, I just realized like Hawaii Five O is for the people that still watch like regular basic cable, like people in their forties. 
This is uh, this one is going to be kind of a stretch uh, for fans of the Fast and the Furious franchise. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and recommend Motor Crush. It's definitely much more fantastical than Fast and the Furious, since there's, you know, a drug for your car that also the main character takes, even though it's supposed to make people explode. This is all from, like, the first issue, too. What is this book? Motor Crush. It's centered around this young woman who is a motorcycle racer who, by night, does illegal street racing for what is essentially, like, a fuel additive that also the motorcycles get hooked on. Look, I haven't really read that much of it, (laughs) but what I have read, I've really enjoyed. And I think that people who enjoy that sort of Fast and the Furious street race bombastic style of storytelling uh, might also get a kick out of some of the racy, oh, no, racy's a word, (laughs) some of the more race-centered parts of Motor Crush. It's also got, you know, interesting characters that are well-developed, but I guess Fast and the Furious also has that, now that I think about it. There's pretty good character building in the one movie that I've seen. Which one? Uh, I'm just curious. The first one. Oh, okay. I actually really liked the first one, and then I saw the second one and was like, that franchise isn't going to last. And then I actually saw the third movie in theaters, and I was like, there's no way. I was like, this is the end of the series, and here we are like six movies later. (laughs) One of these days, Xander is going to sit me down and educate me on those movies. But oh, is Xander really into those movies? I don't want to put words in his mouth. I don't want to say that he's really into them, but I know that he enjoys them. And it's that kind of thing where he says, man, we got to watch those movies. And I say, yeah, totally. And then we never make plans to because <laughs> we're adults. And who has time to sit down and watch nine movies? <laughs> Not I. Not I. But I mean, along with that, if you're into Fast and Furious and all that, um, there is a new series relatively new it's called death or glory it's by rick remender and it's actually kind of fast and furious meets uh oceans 11 it's about this um this uh woman named glory who is trying to pay for her father's surgery and then she has three days to pull off a heist on the road with a bunch of like other criminals or whatever so it's it's got fast cars and it's got you know heist so it's it's and the art is by uh bengal which uh it it looks phenomenal i haven't been i haven't read it yet i've been dying to but it looks really cool from what i've seen it looks pretty amazing so. see now i just want to go watch the italian job which italian job oh the one with uh seth green of course the the, mod, the remake <laughs> i knew it <laughs> i like that you pulled Seth Green instead of Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Or even Edward Norton. Like, any of the, the, the two main you were like, yeah, Seth Green. That kind of ties to where my, my pop culture priorities lie. <laughs> That's good. I feel like I have to say this. Uh, if you are watching the Justice League movies or you've watched Man of Steel and the Dark Knight trilogy, there are definitely some books that you should check out. For Man of Steel... Whether you like or dislike that movie, I think you should really read Superman Earth One by J. Michael Straczynski and with art by Shane Davis. It's Superman in the modern 
age with all the angst and kinds of stuff, and it just does it really well, and it's a fantastic series, and uh, that's a brilliant starting off point. It's a Superman for the modern modern age, and uh, for the Dark Knight trilogy, if you loved those movies, you should definitely read The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb uh, with art by Tim Sale. Uh, that that book is actually what inspired is what Christopher Nolan like read to sort of make his movie out of it. So there's a lot of similarities there. If you've seen The Dark Knight, The Long Halloween, you'll be able to jump into that no problems. And um, I would also recommend Batman Year One by Frank Miller. Uh, uh, also has a lot of influences on Batman Begins. So there's also it's really easy to just jump into. And Batman Earth One by Jeff Johns, with art by Gary Frank. It's kind of just like Superman Earth One. It's a modern retelling of the Batman series. So I would just suggest those as well. Yeah, just kind of their way of dealing, like trying to get around 60, 70 years of material to refresh their stories. That's always the hardest thing. Cause like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I have friends that call me after the new Marvel or DC movie has come out and they're like, I have so many questions. I don't know where to begin. Cause how is this like this or whatever? And you can't just be like, Oh, well go read this comic. It explains everything because it, ties into like 20 30 things none of my friends call me and if they did they would not be my friends <laughs> i get texts sometimes <laughs> but i like that that's the connection you made with that was not the like yeah i understand comics have a long history it's hard to get into them. you're just like my friends don't call me and that's the way i like it yeah well i mean also in our friend group i'm like fifth or sixth down the ladder of people you would ask a comic book question from really or two renee we're recording a comic book podcast like a lot of our friends know a lot about comics i mean i guess that's true we don't really ask each other about them we more of have a very wide discussion of other things about the movie really yeah i'm much more enthusiastic than i am well informed let's put it that way Thanks for listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast. You can follow Brian and Renee on Twitter at Brian Head and at Rodriguer29. You can also follow the show at IRCB Podcast. We retweet all sorts of comic book stuff and we post polls every Sunday. This week's poll, which is the best Spider-Man villain or worst, depending on how you see it. I picked four that I thought were really cool. They're kind of my favorites, but if you disagree, let us know. Reach out to us on Twitter. You can also check out the I Read Comic Books Goodreads group where we have all sorts of threads talking about comics, what we're reading, as well as our latest thread, which is the Goodreads Book of the Month thread, all about the book that we're reading, Mouse. You can email the show at ircb at destroythesibe.org. You got any questions, thoughts, concerns, things you want to see in the future, let us know. Send us an email. Don't forget, we've got a brand new Patreon that you can subscribe to if you really want to give back to the show and you really want to have some influence and get access to some pretty cool stuff. Make sure to head over to patreon.com slash ircbpodcast. Check that out. Throw us a few dollars and we'll throw you some really cool exclusive content. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all the music for the show. We cannot thank them enough for their contribution. They are the best. Xander is a higher power traversing this mortal plane and he also edits the show and that makes him pretty cool. So finally, I want to say thank you to the listeners. Thank you to Brian and Renee for doing this show. I'm Mike Rappin, and until next time, be kind. 
rewind.